0: Hello and welcome to Mint Ambition Podcast. If this is your first time listening, my name is Megan. I am your host. On this podcast, I like to interview professionals across multiple industries to learn why they do what they do and how they got there. Mint Ambition Podcast guests are passionate about their goals and thrive in areas they serve their purpose. On today's episode, I speak with Casey Kleckler on her business Cape and Anchor. Cape and Anchor is a professional consulting business established by Casey. She dives into what her business is and how it came to be. Casey is a gem, and I can't wait for y'all to get to know her. Let's jump into it. Hey, Casey! Thanks for being on the podcast today.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Yeah. Casey and I got to know each other um, while she was completing her master's program. And I was one of your like test clients, essentially for consulting
1: business. Yeah. yes. I was so happy. I was really thankful that you gave me the time to do it.
0: Yeah. It was very great for me. I didn't know I needed it as much as I did until we got (laughs) through the whole process. And I was like, dang, that was very beneficial for me.
1: I'm so glad I'm really
0: so glad yeah it was great Um, and we'll get into more of that in a minute but I want to start off with a segment called who what where I like to learn what people are gravitating towards to find inspiration um, for their respective fields Um, so who or what has been keeping you going or is there a place that you go to recharge an activity you do what like what are you doing
1: well, I will say I, when I was thinking through this idea, cause I love this, um, I was thinking there are three books that really, I always kind of think about and I go back to, so I was going to share that with you, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, One is The Body Keeps the Score, which is, um, I had someone tell me about it a couple of years ago, and it has, like, continued to resonate with me. Um, It's really about, like, how we hold emotions, how we process emotions, and as a coach, I really use a lot of that data, so that's a really great book. Um, And then another book that really got me kind of on the path in the music business was a book. that was put out by Billboard years ago. We're talking years ago, like in the 90s. That sounds so old. But um, it was a book called Women on Top, which was about women executives and female artists that were kind of breaking through at that point. Um, And one lady who I considered a real mentor was in that book. And so um, I think I always kind of go back to those as, as informational and also just as a place of like, gosh, I'm so glad that I was kind of inspired in the beginning by those things. And then I did also have a where, which is um, there is a place in Northern Wyoming. If you're um, a VIP, I will tell you where it is. But um, (laughs) it's in Northern (laughs) Wyoming. And um, it is just a place that I go where I just feel like it fills my spirit up. And I try to go there as often as I can. It's out in the middle of nowhere, and the sky is just full of beautiful stars it's like being in a windy planetarium at night so if you need a place to go recharge and just like have your spirit meet your body again I feel like that is such a good place so I'll tell you where it is if I yes.
0: <laughs> yes that'd be awesome yeah. <laughs> that sounds great no those are great and you can even bring the books with you to that's Wyoming true. yes true. get a little balance of both
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true that's a great combo
0: Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. In the show notes, I'll put the books in there too. So people can go that, go uh, reference that. So tell me like, what is Cape and Anchor and what is your role with it?
1: Sure. So Cape and Anchor is a company I started um, right when we began working together. So kind of right in the middle of 2020. Um, And it is a coaching company where we kind of focus on working with music industry executives or creative thinkers um, in kind of helping them. It's a partnership in thinking really. Um, so we help them figure out where they might be stuck or how to plan forward, how to kind of brainstorm some ideas, um, making their businesses better or improving things in their lives that they want to improve um, or change. And it's really just kind of like a thinking partnership. And uh, I don't, I'm not an advisor in that role. I don't give advice. I don't tell people what they should do, but I really hold people able. I believe that they're able and they're the experts of their own life. And so that is really me just hoping to empower people that I get to walk walk alongside um, as they kind of make their lives what they want to be. So I'm a coach and I own that company and
0: I'm really proud of it. You should be. It sounds amazing. <laughs> and you have so much experience in the industry too. So I feel like you even though you're not necessarily giving them advice on what to do or what not to do, like, you know, the right questions to ask to help them kind of narrow down, maybe this might be the next step.
1: Yeah. And I think too, um, the reason I feel so passionate about that kind of segment of community is that the the things that we experience or the problems that come up are quite specific, right? Like they're not like, most every other business and um, so I think my experience hopefully allows people to feel pretty safe in communicating what their issues are or um, talking about what they might be coming up against and really struggling with and so I hope that just creates like safe space for people um, to know that I kind of I really understand what they're experiencing because I probably have experienced something very similar so that's the hope.
0: That is amazing. I love that. Especially now, after you're like in this post COVID world, I feel like there's a lot of question marks up in the air. People have had time to, you know, like retreat a little bit and think, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Maybe I want to do this instead. And I'm sure you see the whole gamut of that.
1: But- yeah. There's also a lot of people kind of recalibrating, right? We learned a lot about ourselves in COVID. And we learned a lot about what we value, if that's more time at home or if that's um, kind of changing our business to look more aligned with a a personal value or something like that. And so coaching can really walk alongside that and help people make those changes or really sort of change things in their lives to be more centered upon what they feel like they want to bring to the world. So um, there's so much of that happening right now for sure.
0: Most definitely. Yeah. So I am a PR major, so I'm very into like branding and yeah. kind of like the fun part of marketing, I like to call it. Yeah. Um, so how did you come up with the name of Cape and Anchor?
1: Um, it's, come, it's from a couple of different places. Cape is actually from the Guy Clark song, The Cape. Um, there is a line in that song that says, he did not know he could not fly, and so he did. And, um, it was one of my, it's one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite lines in that song. And I feel like it really aligns with a lot of ideas that we carry in coaching about, um, ideas that we have that limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to incorporate that in the name and really in the way that I do the business. And then, um, anchor is, is really about like my hope that I want my clients to leave our time together together fully anchored in who they are and how they want to show up for themselves and other people around them. Um, And whether that's faith-based, like for me, that's a faith anchoring, or if that's like coming from um, just being fully present, however people need to do that. But um, that's really the combination of those ideas is where the name came from.
0: I love that. I think that definitely sums up the whole point of what you're doing and your passion behind it as well. So yeah. It was
1: really exciting to kind of be able to put that together in one idea. And then I worked with a graphic designer named um, Jessie Pickren, who's a wonderful, very talented artist. Um, I believe she started in textile designing. So she comes from not necessarily like a, a very corporate idea of graphic design, which is really something that drew me to her. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the things that she made were really beautiful. And so I told her those ideas behind the business and she really came up with the whole idea for the logo, which I fell in love with. And I wanted it to feel really polished, but also really approachable and warm for people. And I hope that we, I hope that, I think that we did that, but (laughs) that was the hope behind all of that.
0: I can attest that you did. I before this podcast, I obviously did like some research and like went on your website and all that kind of stuff. And just like when you first go on the website, you automatically feel like, at least for me, I felt like peaceful and like Mm -hmm. I could approach it comfortably and not feel intimidated to like reach out to you. If I didn't know you, like I could easily find like, you know, your contact information and be like, I'm going to reach out to this girl and like, see if I can set something up. You know what I mean?
1: Good. Oh, good. That makes me feel really, really proud. I'm thankful for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're based in Nashville. Um, are you originally from Nashville?
1: Oh, this metropolitan accent is not from Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm originally from a very small town in Alabama called Clay. And, um, I came to Nashville when I was 19, which I won't even talk about how long ago that was. (laughs) And, um, I have been here ever since.
0: Nice. And what drew you to Nashville?
1: Um, Well, I ended up, I was looking for internships and found um, a lady named uh, Marcy who owned a company called Mad Booking that at the time um, was booking a bunch of shows all around Nashville. And I think nationally at that time as well. And I did an interview with her and she was like, man, I can't pay you, but I I can't bring you here if I can't pay you. So she actually put me in touch with someone at um, a company that was part of the Tennessean, which had a magazine called the rage at the time. Mm-hmm. And they brought me on and I moved here. And <laughs> I lived at Belmont, um, in the summer when no one was there. I was like, who, who goes to this school? No one is here in the summertime. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I, I was, I wrote for the paper and girl, they put me on all kinds of situations. I had to cover speed dating. I covered, uh, I did a bunch of album reviews, which are were very fun. Yeah, um, I just did all of the random jobs there. <laughs> so um, but what the beauty of that was that it it got me here and it also, I had a lot more time than I thought I would. So I somehow found a CMA directory. And started calling up and down Music Row and just saying, hey, if you will teach me what you do, I'll work for free. I had this time. So um, I ended up getting two additional internships out of that. So I was kind of just like bouncing all around Music Row, learning anything anyone would teach me. And um that really led me to one of the people that I was working with was a manager who had gone to NTSU and I which I didn't even know the school existed. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was in school to be a studio engineer.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs)
1: which I loved. Um, but once I found out about the music business program at MTSU, um, I kind of knew that's exactly where I wanted to be. And I, my parents, my poor dad, he moved me home for a day. And then I was like, you know what? I gotta go back to Nashville. So we kept everything loaded in the truck, moved back to Nashville the next day and um, (laughs) started school that next semester. And I've been around ever since.
0: Wow, that's insane! I I had no idea that you went all the way back home, and you were like, mm, "Never mind."
1: Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Hey, Dad, is it okay if we just go right back?" <laughs> I'm sure you was none too pleased, but that's how it
0: happened. Wow, well, hey, it's working out for you. <laughs> so, did you always want to work in the music industry?
1: Yeah, I did. I um, I didn't realize what kind of like how big that dream was at the time, but I just thought. I wanted to know everything. I would read liner notes and albums, which I think is quite a a standard story these days, but I would read liner notes and albums and just be like, who are all these people and what do they do? I want to be a part of this. I didn't know how, and really at the time, I didn't even know that that was a job, you know? Yeah. Um, But I always knew, my mom says, I always knew you were going to leave Clay. I always knew you were going to move away from here, (laughs) but um, I just, I knew I wanted to be a part of it, so as I I went to college, not really sure what I wanted to do, but I just knew I loved music and I wanted to be a part of it somehow. And so, kind of learning as much as I could, where I where I got those internships, it was like, yeah, you can make a living doing this. Nobody from Clay went to be in the music business. Yeah, and um, so it was just such a fun thing to explore and find that I could do this, and there was a way to to make that a real living and um, to kind of live that dream that I didn't know was such a big dream.
0: (laughs) And thank goodness you had that time at Belmont, like the summer at Belmont to kind of explore the different, you know, facets of music row, And even just with the magazine, like doing album reviews like that, probably even though it was kind of like internship kind of bottom of the barrel work, like you were using that to be able to say, I actually am still interested in this. I'm not tired of it yet. Like I want to learn more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it made me feel like, um, it was tangible, you know, there were, there were things that were tangible that you could really do. Um, it was just, it was quite transformative that that year of my life was really quite transformative.
0: So when you started at MTSU and you had like all these little, um, kind of introductions, I guess, on Music Row, and you did your 24-hour turnaround back to Nashville. Um, (laughs) Did you um, go into college thinking, okay, I know for sure I want to be this kind of executive one day?
1: Yeah, I 100% wanted to be a manager. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be an artist manager, and um, I had a friend who's still my very dear friend, um in college that I was like okay I'm gonna manage you this is how this is gonna go and it was really fun because from that role I was able to kind of see all the pieces that we did it on such a small scale you know but um it, it was a way for us to kind of put into action on the things that we were learning and you know during the day at school um but for sure yeah I thought management was going to be it for me.
0: Yeah do you think for people now who are going into college that have that kind of same dream. Do you think that was a good way to start learning to kind of find a friend who's an artist and just kind of like play that role? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think find someone that you um, love what they do and you love the person and um, then be willing to grow with that person. That was, that was such an amazing thing to be able to do. And I, I think a lot of kids are doing that probably um, a lot more readily these days because um, it seems like maybe there's more access to information. You can really be a manager in a very different way, right? With social right. media and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I would definitely say just jump in. Nobody knows all the answers.
0: <laughs> Nobody
1: yes. really knows what they're doing most of the time. So um, if you do True. things ethically and, and with a lot of heart and a lot of passion, you're going to get pretty far, even if you aren't, You know, you don't have a degree in something or whatever, you know, do things honestly and passionately and you'll, you won't go wrong.
0: Being based in Nashville and the artist also being that based in Nashville, do you think that helped? Or do you think if, you know, somebody's living in Wyoming, for example, and they want to manage somebody that is also a friend that is an artist up there, like, do you think the location is important?
1: I think when I was going into college, I remember there was a lot of conversation about like, to be a big dog, you got to be where the big dogs play. Mm -hmm. Um, I think social media has changed so much of that landscape. And, um, you know, I was in college when Facebook started. So, (laughs) so I think there is, there's such a different thing now. And really, you know, maybe it's not such a bad thing to be right where you are and to make um, an impression right where you are. You see how um audiences react you can gain gain traction where you are and I think a lot of artists these days are really good examples of people finding ways to sort of garner leverage before they ever come to Nashville for a deal or they ever you know um they're able to gain their own audiences um Mm -hmm. connect a lot easier with people and um make music a lot more more easily these days. So um, I'm, I'm dating myself probably and saying all of that, but I think that the access has changed so much that wherever you are, don't let that be a barrier. You know, that would be my, my idea. If you want to come to Nashville, there's a lot of people here that will be wonderful community for you. And obviously the writing community is top-notch here if that's your dream, but if you want to, if you, don't let that stop you, I guess is right. what I would say. Yeah. Wherever you are.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a common misconception that, like, you can only make it if you live in Nashville. And I also agree. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I have people back home that are doing just fine in their music careers, and they've never had to move once. Like, they are still there. They are killing it. That is their full-time gig. And they probably know just as many people in their circle that live in Nashville, but they're still chilling at home, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it just depends on what your dream is. You know what I mean? Like if your dream is to just like make music and, um, affect people right where you are, that that's not, I just shouldn't even say just, if you want to make music and affect people right where you are,
0: then
1: right. Do that <laughs> You know what I mean? Exactly. Don't, don't let something be a barrier to that
0: chase after the dream, not the money, you know? that's it. Yeah. The money
1: will come and go. The dream will stick around.
0: Yeah, this is true. So, what is your overall opinion on internships? After you know you went through college and you did your um, kind of like management uh, experiment, I guess I, I guess I would call it an experiment.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. An experiment.
0: <laughs> so, after all of those internships and experiments and kind of testing things out, um, what is your overall opinion on internships? I
1: think they're so invaluable. I would say do as many as you can um, in s- different areas and just try it out and give it give each one of them um, a real dedication, like really work hard at each of them. Um, but I feel like, you know, one, one of my college internships ended up being my first job in the music business. I was really working full time before I graduated um, at a management company. And I feel like the things that I learned there Really, the things that I learned in each of my internships, I continue to use. Um, I continue to use the way that I saw them treat people, um, the way that they interacted, knowing um, things to look for and look after, knowing how to work with an artist. So, so much of that I really learned in the very beginning, and um, it was so, so wonderful and. Um, yeah, I still sometimes email the first person that (laughs) that I worked for was, um, a gentleman named Matt Marr and he's a manager and he's very smart and really caring. And I will still sometimes email him and just say, Hey, I'm still using the things you taught me and thank you. Um, so it's just, yeah, do any internship you can. Don't worry about the money. You'll figure it out. Take the experience where people will be willing to teach you.
0: A thousand percent. That is great advice. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, trying to find an internship in music, do you, you know, suggest them just kind of like cold calling or cold emailing these people that they could possibly work for or?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, honestly, I think I did that so, um, naively when I was young that I didn't realize <laughs> what I was doing, but shoot, I remember for a project and. um, in college, we had an artist management project and I just emailed Alicia Keys manager. He responded, I'm a college person. Like, what are you talking about? So (laughs) I would say, um, always just ask. People are very generous if they know that you, um, if you have a, you know, kind of a willingness to learn. And, um, I think people are a lot more generous than maybe people think they will be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cold email. I know that there's a lot of rules now about, making sure that there's accreditation and that kind of thing, but I really didn't um, adhere to those myself. (laughs) I learned a lot of things, but um, you know, yeah, I I would always say, don't be afraid to ask. um, Right. Go for it. And a lot of universities really offer a lot of resources for finding great internships too, especially if you're in a town like Nashville or Murfreesboro, you're very close to a lot of business that readily is looking for interns. But um, yeah, always just cold email. If you see someone doing something that you think is exactly like what you would love to see your, yourself doing, email that person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Because <laughs> yeah. the worst thing they can say is nothing or no, and then yeah. you just move on to the next person yeah. on your list. Exactly. Um, so when you're in college, you know, a lot of people party and they do sororities and they have all of this social life too. So aside from your internships and your schoolwork, um how did you balance the social life aspect of it?
1: Yeah, um I was in a sorority and I um was in a lot of organizations especially once I got into um the recording management program at MTSU. Um I really, they had a student run label. I was really active in that. Um, I was really active in a bunch of things on campus. And so um, I think, I don't know how I managed it other than I just knew like I had to make good grades because (laughs) I had no option. So um, I, I had a really good way of just like making sure that I got my schoolwork done, but especially if you're in the recording program, all of your friends are artists or they're trying to do something like that. So you're going to see a lot of shows and, um, going to see a lot of friends play. But I think I always knew, um, I had to, I had to graduate, right. I had to make right. really good grades and I, um, probably have a good, healthy, respective authority of my parents. <laughs> and I knew like, Hey, there is no paying out of state tuition and not making a good grade. So right. Um, It was really important to make it right. So I I guess I just knew that all of that stuff had to come second. Um, But I was still able to dedicate a lot of time to that. So it was was a very good balance now that I'm looking back thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And you were surrounded by like-minded people too. So you guys all had the same kind of interest and goals that were not the exact same, but it was within the same industry. So I feel like it almost adds like a good healthy pressure to keep you know, keep doing the good stuff and making sure that you are getting your grades because that is first and foremost, like the priority, but also like going out to shows and like almost being held accountable to like still do everything, but not burn yourself out too much because everyone understands like it's exhausting to do both.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I think too, I I really never thought of it as a lot of pressure on the school side because I was having so much fun doing it. Um, I really liked school in general. So maybe that was like in my favor. But I also once I got into my major, I was like so passionate about it that I never felt really that stressed out about like succeeding at it because I was just having so much fun. Yeah. Um, So maybe that was another part of feeling like the balance was a little bit easier. I definitely like had some panic attacks around exam time, so I'm not (laughs) (laughs) perfect. But but there was a level of just like excitement around I get to do this, so um, that probably helped
0: you were in the right major and you were 100% there for it. Like there was not like a class where you were like, ooh, I don't wanna do that. It wasn't like, like for me personally, like I was in a PR major because they didn't have a music business program where I went Yeah. and I loved to make all of my PR projects geared towards like music industry related things. And that was kind That's of how cool. I kept that like element throughout my schoolwork. But there were also those like little math classes that I absolutely hated. I could not, math is just not good for me. Like me and math don't have a good relationship. We're not buddy-buddy. And so when it came to the math classes, I would get so frustrated because I'm like, this is not going to go anywhere with me in my future in the music industry, (laughs) so.
1: I so understand that. I definitely understand that for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So then once you graduated MTSU, um, were you still on the track to, you know, be someone's manager, like that's a thousand percent what you wanted to do, or did things kind of shift into the consulting world at that point?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, so my first, my internship in college was at a management company and I content, I worked full-time for them for a year or two after college. Um, and it was, I, I learned so much there and I really loved it, but I I don't know if that's where it started to change for me about whether I thought management was exactly the right spot for me. Um, but I ended up leaving there and starting to work at um, a company that was a business management firm. And that was where I was able to see all the pieces working together, which was very cool. So I think probably that was in working full time in the management world, I was like, maybe there's something else that fits me more. And so that just became the area where I started trying other things. And I ended up staying in business management for about 10 years, um, Mm. and seeing, seeing all of those pieces and being integrated into all of the pieces of an artist world. Um, so that was further just education, I guess, really. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thousand percent. Um, so when did that kind of start to shift into the consulting world? Cause I know you go for your master's. So on the timeline, like what comes first, you know, So
1: I was in business management for um, about nine years and then I had some life things happen. Um, and I had a cancer diagnosis. It kind of t- opened up this idea of figuring out exactly what I was wanting to do. And so I, left that business management company and started just saying yes to opportunities that were coming to me. So I was doing personal assistant work. I was doing project management work for artists. Um, The business management company I was working for was help kind of putting me in touch with people who just needed someone they could trust to like do a job. And I would always just say yes. And I think that was quite powerful for me because it was a way for me to see, Hey, I can do all kinds of things. I can do it for myself. Um, And so it just taught me so many things. And that's probably where the consulting thing started. Um, I started taking on some bookkeeping things. So I kept that financial background that I had um, for some artists. Actually, that turned into visual artists and music artists. um, And so that's probably where that shift came. I then went on tour. That was another one of my just say yes moments. Um, I toured for a while and then came back. And then that was really led up to the the year of COVID. And it was actually a few months before COVID. I decided I'm just going to go get my master's because I had seen all these breadcrumbs in my life of when I left business management, I knew that it felt like I wanted to be in a helping profession, but I didn't know what that meant. And I knew I wanted to stay in the music industry community. And I didn't see around me anything that felt like it fit. You know, I didn't necessarily want to be in publishing, I didn't necessarily want to be in management. And there were all these breadcrumbs that led to coaching being an idea that felt like it fit. And I found an article in Billboard. Billboard keeps showing up in this as a great resource, but yeah. <laughs> an article in Billboard about um, a woman named Catherine Frazier. Who is a publicist in LA, um, but she also had a coaching certification, and she was using that coaching certification for her clients as well. And I became a private detective and uh, found her email address somewhere, and I emailed her. Cold emailing works. Yeah. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in this. Can you just like, you know, share with me a little bit? And she responded and just said, "Do this. Absolutely, do this." Wow. So- That was what led to kind of saying, okay, I'm going to get a master's in this. And that's really what led to coaching. But for the longest time, I knew that it was like this nebulous idea of wanting to help people, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. And then as soon as I found coaching, it was like, this is, this is the thing.
0: Right. That's cool that like, that's how it progressed. Because first off, I want to touch on the fact that even though you're not in college and you are obviously like graduated and you have all this experience in the industry, you still are able to cold call people or cold email people (laughs) and ask for advice and, you know, and it can still work in your favor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, never be afraid to ask for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, But I also think it's cool because I, I just listening to everything. I I think that there are a lot of similarities with um, your management roles and the consulting business. I feel like I mean, I've never been a manager. I don't know how like the ins and outs of all of that stuff, but I feel like there are some parallels with the skills that it takes to be a manager and, you know, being in the consulting world too.
1: Yeah. I think it takes a level of um, understanding people and, um, because I think it's such a relationship role, right? Um, as a coach, it's really important that I understand people and I feel like it is a place that's like using so much empathy um, and just like emotional intelligence is really important. And it's probably, I feel like probably very similar. One of the things that I loved about the first job that I had at that management company was that I did feel like all those people were quite emotionally intelligent. Like they, they really cared about people. And, um, so I think probably there, there are probably a lot of similarities. I had not really ever thought of that, but, um, yeah, probably, uh, probably
0: very accurate
1: <laughs> as I'm thinking through it. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. It's outside looking in perspective. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I very much appreciate that. I'm going to ponder on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. when you're talking about how all the people that you were around at the management company were, um. Emotionally intelligent. Um, I've been around, and I know you have been around this too. The music industry has a lot of egos, and sometimes you are around some more selfish people than we'd like to be around. Um, how do you deal with that? And like, how do you stay grounded in those moments?
1: It's a really good question. I think it's um, it's having the understanding, or for me, it's the understanding of like where might that be coming from you know, is that coming from, is that, that, other, per, that other person's experience, is that coming from um, a level of fear that they have, a level of insecurity? Um, and if I question, if I get curious before I get angry, um, in most situations, I can kind of feel through a, a situation. Um, if I just get curious, then I can care about that person more yeah. than I can react to that person. So I would say that, and, and a lot of times, you know, there are all kinds of kinds, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll quote John Brown here. There's all kinds of kinds. And there are just some people that might not be your vibe. <laughs> 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 you know? and That's okay. And um, if, if, and when that happens, um, just approach the situation with kindness and place yourself in a place that you want to be, if that's away from that person, if that is trying to understand and care for that person, whatever, you know, kind of protect your own heart, protect your mental health, but um, finding ways to navigate around people with a sense of care and not forgetting who you are and your own values and standards, I think is um, kind of the key to how I've tried to encounter those things, remaining true to myself, getting curious about people and um, trying to respect people, even if I don't agree with how they're handling a situation or a conversation.
0: A thousand percent. And honestly, sometimes those people, and this is not for everybody, but sometimes those people just need, somebody like you who can give them the benefit of the doubt and give them that empathy that they might not be getting anywhere else. And maybe that is why they are the way that they are. And sometimes when you do that, they respect you way differently than they did at the beginning because you gave them <laughs> that chance to you know, be better. I mean, I have people like that in my life where when I first met them, they were awful, like they were terrible. But then once I gave them that chance, gave them some grace essentially, yeah, kind to break down that barrier. And then, you know, you realize that they're just a soft teddy bear on the inside and they just will rough around the edges, but it's okay. It's yeah. yeah. I
1: think it really feeds into that idea of, um, we all want to belong. We all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. And a lot of us come across maybe the way, maybe ways we don't mean to in just trying to achieve those things, right? If we want to belong, we might speak up too loudly, or if we want to be seen, we might, you know, show up in a way we don't want to, um, but just to achieve those things. So um, in my curiosity, if I can remember those things, then maybe that helps, you know? Uh,
0: I love that. No, I love that, that um, point of view and that frame of mind for tough situations like that. (laughs) So once you were in your master's program and you are full on in the consulting like line, like you are ready to rumble with the consulting thing, how did you start to kind of, form the cape and anchor brand like we already talked about like how you thought of the name and you thought of like the concept of what you're going to do with it how did you full-on commit to this is what I'm going to do and this is how it's going to happen
1: yeah um that is an ever-evolving Thing, I feel like. Um, and maybe that's good. I think that yeah. just growing. Um, but so I had an established business that is a consulting kind of bookkeeping business, and that continues. That is, I'm maintaining that and that is um still going strong. And so the coaching business, um, Cape and Anger was kind of an addition to my life in that way. And um, so I just decided I would, I want to remain really true and helpful in my financial world. And then I want to be able to add these skills. Um, So the coaching skills really like there is some overlap. There are some people in the coaching world that also are in that financial world. And that's been a very cool experience. Um, But I really just decided like, I want to, I did this because I want to help people and wherever that may be, I want to follow that. So really just word of mouth. I just started asking people like you and people that I knew just, hey, like, is there something that you could use some help with? And that was where it began. And then that's just continued to grow. And most, most all of my clients are really word of mouth from those first, I don't know, maybe 10 to 20 clients that I had in the beginning. Um, That's really how it just began to grow. And um, I feel really grateful for that. It's been very fun.
0: Um, And I think you're killing it to put it lightly, like, I think, you you know, just, I mean, even just talking to you, you know, in this podcast, like, it's, it's cool to, like, see your trajectory of, like, you know, where you started and, like, how it kind of all came to fruition, but I can still see, like, the passion even over this, like, computer, I can, like, see the passion (laughs) in your eyes, like, on this topic, and I, I think it's gonna just keep growing and growing, you know, it's still fairly new, but you've already got so much to it.
1: Well, thank you so much. I I really just wanna. It sounds cliche and maybe naive, but I just wanna. Um, I wanna help people, and I love the music business. It's all I've ever wanted to be a part of, and so to get to step into just a tiny piece of that feels like very exciting and um, really like such a privilege for me. Because yeah. to help people in a situation where they're having a tough time, or maybe they feel worried or scared. Um, or they feel stuck that's a lot of times what people come to me for but that's such a privilege that's such a sacred space to be able to share with people so um, as I get to do that I just feel really lucky
0: mm-hmm. yeah. you should so um, for anyone who is wanting to do something similar to you or exactly what you want to do essentially um, sure. do they need to receive like a special license or training do they have to have a master's for it what are kind of like the basics that they would need
1: Yeah. So you don't have to have a master's. Um, I just figured if I was going back to school, I would just go for it. Yeah, (laughs) I did get a certification, um, with the international coaching federation. It is, um, there are certain levels of coaching, um, accreditation. Um, but you just, you go to school, you get a certain number of hours, you do a lot of coaching um hours and the, and there's some education hours and then um you test for it and then that becomes kind of like a you have to do continuing education to maintain that accreditation and stuff but i would definitely say the, the that special training that accreditation has been such a important part of understanding the framework of real coaching for me Um, and giving me some real direction in how to help people the best for me. There's tons of different coaching programs out there. So maybe it's just about what fits you the best. Um, I really gravitated toward this because this was the program that the woman, Catherine Frazier, that I had reached out to, this was the program that she went through. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, and Lipscomb actually, um, is one of the only, colleges in the south that provides that in an academic setting um so I went I went through the program there because it was so close to us and it was kind of felt like it just fit exactly what I was hoping to learn so um, you don't have to have a master's but I would definitely say the accreditation is just helpful no one's ever asked me for my accreditation but I think it helps me in terms of my own confidence and knowing that I have some skills that I'm bringing to the conversation that are helpful for the people that I work with.
0: Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So as we kind of like close out the podcast, what is some advice that you could give to somebody who's in music and consulting in any sector of the industry to kind of narrow down the specific part of the industry that they want to be in? That's a
1: good question. Um, I think say yes. I think you just always just say yes. Um, if an opportunity comes up, and it's a place where you can learn something you don't know, say yes, because you're going to learn that you love that, you're going to learn that you don't. Um, And so I think any opportunity to learn something is just like always a yes. Um, The more experience that you have, I think the more you can hone in on exactly where you want to be. And um, for me, that was really key. I tried a lot of things that I loved, but I knew they didn't fit me exactly. And once I walked into coaching, it was like, oh, I can bring my whole self to this. And hopefully like through people saying yes, and just learning all they can, then they can see exactly where they could fit. Yeah. Um, so I definitely say that. And and not not as a plug, but finding people that can be a mentor or a coach for you can really like help you walk through some practical steps to that. You know, a mentor is a really um, invaluable piece of I think relationship, especially in a town like Nashville, mm-hmm. um, where they can help guide you, but also have some emotional support, you know. And in, in yeah, there. and then um, a coach can really like help you work around your own blocks and your own places of getting stuck or your own fears that you might not realize that you have. So I'd say those things: say yes and find support.
0: I love that. So with these people wanting to find support, how can they connect with you to schedule a consulting service with you?
1: Yeah, so um you can find me at capeandanchor.com or you can email me at kckasey at Um my phone number and my email address are all on the website if you need me but um there's a lot of great coaches out there and, and hopefully you know maybe I would love to Help if there's a place I can help, but even just to chat if there's someone who just needs some advice or something, I'm happy to chat. I love making friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna put all of that information in the show notes, so if anybody wants to reach out to you, they can reference that there along with all the books. And clearly, Billboard was a big <laughs> resource <Yeah. laughs> throughout the whole story. So go check out Billboard too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, so anyway, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Casey. Thank
1: you. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but thank you. No,
0: oh my gosh, (laughs) you were great. Thank you.